Oh, and welcome to A Day in the Life. My name is Darren Bloomfield. I'm your host. Joining me today is Jeremy Gottschalk. Oh, welcome, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. So, Jeremy, you're a, you're a man of uh, many, many roles in many different companies, uh, some board of directors experience, and then also currently a uh, marketplace risk. Can you kind of tell us about your path to getting these positions and what you kind of do in your day to day? Sure. Um, so I, I practiced law uh, for many years. I was trained as a lawyer. I, I practiced uh, initially in, in intellectual property and then evolved uh, into uh, predominantly technology practice. Um, our firm had a, had a, a large uh, financial services practice as well as kind of tech and IP. So we represented a lot of investors making investments in, in uh, startups. So I would be brought in uh, in many cases after the Series A and, and got a lot of experience working with startups kind of from their initial funding. Um, I was recruited, uh, went in-house at one of our clients in 2010, spent seven years there. And during that time, you know, as one of the early employees charged with building a, a legal team, figuring out all the risk and the exposure and, and um, also the administration of the company, and very quickly realized that, you know, the, there was way more risk than we had resources to address, um, that you know, even law firms and lawyers are expensive, and, and in, in this context, in many cases, um, can be inefficient. And largely because there's no answer to a lot of the, the questions that we, we had or the problems that we're trying to solve. Uh, and so I organized a group of uh, founders, uh, CEOs, other execs, lawyers to really focus on and help one another navigate kind of the risk legal compliance um, of their marketplaces in, in particular, but of their startups. Uh, that over time evolved into um, a conference, which is the Marketplace Risk Management Conference. Um, and so my day-to-day -day now is uh, half of it's running um, the Marketplace Risk Platform, which is very high level as resources for startups. Um, everything from you know, podcasts and blog to conferences and virtual events and Slack forums and, and things like that. Um, and then also I, I work with a lot of uh, startups uh, as an advisor, um, as a, a lawyer, a consultant, um, a, as well as serve on their boards. Yeah, no, it's a good overview. So kind of with what, with what you're saying of when you were in that position of having to work within that startup and having to kind of form like a team around you, like you said, Psalms, there's there's more risks, like the more and more you looked into your operations, your exposures, you know, the more different products you were kind of thinking about like, oh, is there, you know, insurance for this? How are you able to kind of transfer these risks? But then from like a financial standpoint, there's really not enough money, nor would you want to, to, to pay, you know, an insurance carrier or transfer that be like premium. So what do you, what do you kind of do in, in that if you like know that you, have these risks or like if you are buying, you know, insurance, you can use the specialties and the resources of like your broker partners to kind of supplement that team of what's kind of that steps of being like financially limited. And then also like your, your team, just kind of your, your manpower. Yeah. So, um, I would say first and foremost, it was imperative that we worked with brokers who 
understood our business because so many of these marketplaces and you know think of the Ubers and the Airbnbs of the world you know when they were first insured they were insured with products that weren't designed for them right because they're kind of the first home sharing that, that we know of right and there were there were uh, uh, predecessors but um, the reality is is we had to find a broker who was willing to take the time to understand the business model to truly understand the risk and then kind of the liability the exposure the legal landscape all of that really factored into it um, and so that's the first piece because you know, if you, even if you have the resources, if you don't have the right broker, you're probably buying the wrong products um, that, you know, either don't cover the risk or, you know, uh, you know maybe cover the wrong risk or, or are just totally useless, which I've seen in, in many cases. Then, of course, there's the, the issue of just pure resources. You know, do you have the, the financial resources for the premium for all of the risks that are out there. And obviously the answer is no, right? Um, and, and, and this isn't unique to startups, but it's true, certainly true of, of most startups. Resources are um, scarce, uh, particularly you know, before you're sufficiently funded or profitable. And so you have to pick and choose. Uh, for, for us, you know, the, our broker you know, helped us both figure out what types of insurance, but then also prioritize, um, you know, at, with, at the stage that we were at, what was most important at that time. And then as we grew, we grew, you know, we grew along with uh, our brokers and, and our, our program grew. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good uh, overview of just kind of seeing like how, how the expertise of the broker, of them telling you not only what to buy, like which product, which line, like a property, casualty, professionals, whatever exposure that is, uh, but then also like how much of it to buy from like a capacity standpoint, and then making sure that the product actually responds or like the coverage is kind of tailored to, to your business and not kind of a general, you know, exposure of that. Although, you know, sometimes I would, I would think that just like knowing, knowing what I know of, of insurance, it's, it's kind of a reactive product of, if there's a like cryptocurrency, like there, we weren't insuring cryptocurrencies before there was cryptocurrency. So there's kind of like that, that delay of sometimes there's going to be like a new product, like you're saying, kind of home sharing, uh, Airbnb kind of set up. And if like insurance has to follow the needs of business, and then I, sometimes the brokers are kind of the one who are seeing like those needs kind of firsthand that are bringing it to the carriers to kind of help them uh, design that product or let, let them know that there is a demand for that product. If, if this carrier puts that time in, does the research and learns this, this new industry or these, these businesses, then there will be demand for, for their product. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I, I also think that, you know, you, you need a critical mass, right? You need to create a market for the insurance to, to want to, to, you know, create a product. So if there were only one home sharing uh, platform and it was small, you know, yeah, they have a harder time, but once they see the opportunity with, you know, uh, VRBO and, and Airbnb and, uh, you know, HomeAway and all of these um, very successful platforms popping up, you know, then the insurance industry realizes very quickly there's money to be made there, and 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 particularly in 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 the risk transfer, where you've got this 
I don't want to say new phenomenon, but relatively new where you're connecting strangers um, and you know, there's no hotel involved, there's no taxi company involved, it's, it's truly just strangers. So it's a, it's a completely different, obviously, uh, model, but there's obviously a, a ton of opportunity. Yeah, and, and with, with, that, with the marketplace risk kind of conference of people bringing of, of all those kind of insureds or businesses kind of being brought together in a centralized kind of area to bounce ideas off, of one, off one another, how does the insurance kind of community like rally behind that, like, uh, you know, potential of having like that, that, that's like their prime market. Like if they are trying to get in front of those people and kind of explain how, how insurance can help them or kind of learning like the new needs of, of their businesses on like the cutting edge of, of industry there. Like, how do you see those conversations playing out? It's interesting because when, <clears throat> when we started this, a lot of the insurance related conversations uh, were about, you know, who should carry the policy if something goes wrong in, you know, uh, a customer's uh, home uh, or, or there's a car accident because What's unique to marketplaces is there is a federal law, which most people have heard about now uh, as a result of our former president, but the Communications Decency Act, which essentially protects uh, interactive computer services, websites, mobile apps from liability um, for essentially what happens between their users. I'm, I'm completely uh, uh, making a general statement, but, but um, it's been interpreted quite broad. So the reality is, you know, the, this business model has uh, pretty good protection. And of course, you have your terms of service. So the, the business can protect itself. Back in the day, though, when there was the first few car accidents on ride sharing platforms, or the few, first few homes were vandalized on the home sharing platforms, the, the, the question was, how do we protect the homeowner? How do we protect the driver or the rider? You know, now, uh, seven, eight years later, they're talking about how do you embed insurance into your platform so that, you know, you can monetize it. So, I mean, the, the conversation has evolved so far, um, and it's been as a result of these conversations, <clears throat> not only between the rideshare company and their broker, but in these larger conversations where all of the rideshare companies are, are, are not necessarily trying to do the same thing, but they all have the same issues and the same risks and how can they more creatively uh, address them, protect themselves, protect them, protect their customers. Um, so it's over, you know, just the last, you know, six, seven, eight years, the conversation has changed and evolved very, very rapidly to what I would say is pretty basic to pretty sophisticated and interesting um, solutions to, you know, a lot of the problems that are unique to these, these platforms. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. Uh, just kind of to, to see if I'm understanding what you're saying. Of, of so it used to be that these companies would innovate and then kind of see how insurance can protect them, protect their customers, kind of like an afterthought. Uh, but now it seems like these conversations are being had kind of on that that front end of the innovation of how can we innovate and you know do it with insurance kind of at the same time instead of like going back after like hey we did this can insurance cover it right no that's exactly right and you know some, some really good examples are and, and insurance is being used more and more to prevent against you know disintermediation right you want to keep your supply and demand on the platform as a marketplace one of the ways you do that is you offer an insurance product that 
you know, that ensures the transaction or the ride or the whatever it is, the stay in the home, if you keep it on platform. Uh, so, so, you know, that's a, a really good example of not just protecting, but trying to use an insurance more in a more innovative way, integrating it into the kind of the experience and the benefit of the business. It's become part of the business and not just a fallback in case something goes wrong that you hope you never use. Yeah, no, it makes sense. So, so how do you see yourself like in the past being bought into kind of these conversations with like these directors and officers at, at the companies that you help support? So uh, uh, unfortunately, my initially the way I was brought into a lot of these conversations is when something went wrong. Um, and, you know, it could be a, a variety of things, something that would go horribly wrong and I would be brought in more from a kind of crisis um, management perspective. Like, what do we do? How do we respond? We we know that we we're, we're protected by the CDA. We know we have terms of use, but we you know we don't know how to re react or respond. So I would be brought into it that way. In other cases, there would be uh, platforms that were looking for insurance and were having a hard time um, securing you know a, a program that kind of met their needs. And so I would work with them on not just their insurance because their, their, their brokers are the experts in that case, but more on their kind of their whole risk management philosophy, their trust and safety, how they could make their um, the risk look more uh, appetizing for the insurer, how they could um, you know hopefully ward off against any types of claims so that an insurer would get comfortable with the risk. Um, so, you know, I would say probably those are, those are two main ones. I, I've worked a lot with insurance companies themselves, just on you know, my experience with a lot of platforms and you know, certainly like how I think about risk, how, how I think that, you know, others should think about risk. Um, so, I mean, the idea is that you never have to use your insurance, right? I mean, people, when they you get insurance and they think, great, I've got insurance, we're covered. And I'm like, you know, the, the first time I explained to them, like, insurance is not there to be used, right? I mean, it's, it's going to be there. But, you know, you, if you re rely on your insurance as your backstop uh, in place of good policies and procedures, you're, you're not you're not insurable very quickly, or or it's going to be you know extremely extremely expensive. And I've seen insurance programs go from ten twenty thousand dollars to a million dollars in premium overnight. I mean, it's not. I mean, as sure as you know, it's not uncommon when you're using insurance in the what I would say wrong way. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really interesting way to put it. Just kind of like investing upfront into those policies and procedures, like internally in your company to kind of manage that risk instead of just kind of pushing it off and saying, oh, if something happens, then someone else would pay for it. And just, just kind of like, because I mean, that, that might work for a year or two and then right. when your premium's still low, but once you get hit a couple of times, you know, your retention is going to go way up, your capacity is going to be cut in half and it's going to cost a lot more. And it's going to get to the point where people don't want to insure you because you're, you're a bad risk and the, the insurance community, the carriers realize that, you're not trying to be a partner in that and that you don't really want to have skin in the game. So how, how does that kind of like, what were your first conversations when you were first kind of be, becoming like involved with insurance? Like what was, what was kind of like your first interaction? So um, when I went in house, my, my first interaction was, um, you know, when it came time for a renewal 
And I just had never experienced the process. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've brought to the, both the conference, but the platform is, um, you know, my perspective, although I was a lawyer, uh, you know, I went, I was in school for many years, I never learned any of these things, right? So I never experienced them. I had no idea what went into a good um, a submission into the renewal. How do we present the, the company in the best light to, to, to you know, shed the best light on the, uh, for the underwriters so that, you know, they, they get, um, uh, they're satisfied with the risk, et cetera. So my first interaction was, I would say, a crash course in understanding how insurance works, the whole you know, underwriting process, the, the marketing uh, process. I spent time in London at Lloyd's uh, meeting with underwriters, learning about the process. Uh, and you know, I realized that, that I had been practicing law for, at that point, six or seven years, and I had never come across this, having worked with a lot of clients. Um, and so for me, that was kind of where a light bulb went on to say that, that there is a, not an opportunity, you know, an economic opportunity, but an opportunity to share with other um, early stage executive founders, et cetera, how this process works and how they can best position themselves to, you know, get the, you know, the best program at the best um, premium, et cetera. Um, so that's my own kind of personal beginning was, was learning about and having to be responsible for the insurance program um, at this company. From there, though, I learned very quickly that the, you know, the average age of my um, colleagues, my peers at, at these startups skewed very young, and they were much like me. They didn't have tremendous business experience. So that meant that they didn't probably have any experience with risk management. They've had very limited experience with insurance, probably homeowners, renters, you know, auto. And so this entire process was foreign. And as a result, you know, not, not working with a broker who understood their business, not getting the right policies, getting themselves into a position where they had to make claims, they either weren't covered. I mean, it, it became, um, it could become, and I've seen it become catastrophic. Um, and it's actually not that hard. And it's, you know, it's, it's not that um, mysterious, you just have to spend the time. So for me, it's been, you know, my goal has been, you know, evangelizing what I would call risk management, but just explaining how some of this stuff works to some earlier stage, um, you know, less experienced, if you will, um, executives, founders, etc. Again, not to, to become experts in it, but just to understand it and appreciate it, so that th they will be better off in the end. Yeah, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. There's kind of that, that that crash course aspect of understanding what what happens, you know, after I, you know, this is my business. I'm working with the agent. They're sending it off to to the carrier, and then someone's underwriting it. Like, what is the underwriter looking for? Just kind of like, you know, we need we need that story. We need to build the wrapper heads around it. You know, we're willing to get creative, uh, but like we need to know what's going on in the company, the details that, that are in it and and like their risk management uh, techniques and tools. Uh, but what with what you're saying, just kind of a lack of like education or like knowledge within some of these tech startups, some of these fond founders, just because this is not, you know, like this is not their their core background, you know, but like how how would the insurance community or how, how could we be more like helpful 
and kind of educating these these new buyers. Yeah. So so what's interesting is, and I, I always uh, hesitate positioning they were saying it the way I just did because it's you know it's not that if these founders and these young executive teams were good at this they wouldn't be good at what they're actually doing or what they need to do right so they, their their goal is to build technology and and grow acquire customers they're good at what they do um, I would be very surprised if they understood this as well because they're kind of I don't want to say opposites but they don't really run uh, uh, in a hand in hand certainly in the early years. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, I, I'm always, you know, just trying to explain and, and what kind of what you just said with kind of marketing the, the program uh, or bringing it to the markets, you know, it, it's something as simple as when you're filling out those questionnaires, right? I never even thought about that process of that this data or this information that I'm submitting is then going to be packaged, put into a presentation. Uh, you know, for the insurance markets to, to review it. So in, in filling out those questionnaires and responding, you know, it's important to understand what the end result is going to be so that you can position yourself, uh, you know, in the best possible light. It, you know, my experience has been, and I think a lot of, of, of young executives, young founders is, it's like one of those things you got to check the box and get it done. So it's like, just, just respond with something and, you know, get it, get it out of my face kind of a situation, which is the worst possible way to go about it. Right. So um, I think a lot of, a lot of uh, particularly with, with you know, young founders and, and, and early stage uh, startups is as long as they understand the, the process, I think it sheds a lot of light into obviously the importance, how you how you respond, how you prepare, all of that, and then of course obviously finding the right broker who understands your business and, and the rest of that. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. So just kind of you know with with knowing what you know now of of like these applications, these kind of questionnaires, you say not really being you know at meet like kind of a meaningless task, just kind of like push off or just kind of ch check the box on like it, it has a purpose, directly impacts the the cost and protection. That your insurance will at this end end of the process uh, be giving you, uh, like what do you kind of look for at, at first when you're working with these companies with with like the exposures that they have when when meeting with or like evaluating this this new insured kind of like their executive team or what kind of risks like what what industry they're in if if like they've kind of a products exposure what's kind of the process. Yeah, so my, um, I would say my experience and um, kind of analysis and evaluation starts more with the product. Um, there are some basics that, you know, I've probably given the same talk probably 30 times, and it's truly the basics of um, risk management for marketplaces. And, it, and it's the simple things like your terms of service or your customer agreements, understanding the Communications Decency Act and how you can avail yourself. And then there's the trust and safety, you know, protecting your customers or protecting both sides, the supply and the demand, um, you know, and thinking through you know, what are all the bad things that can happen on your platform? And you'd be surprised that, it, you know, a, a lot of People have never gone through that exercise and thought, how could this be used for a nefarious purpose, right? Um, and, and, and so it's, it's kind of the simple, it's the basics. When you get into things like, you know, at-home food preparation and, um, you know, shipping of you know, uh, different types of uh, high-dollar goods and things like that, 
there are experts that, you know, it's like I hand them off to the experts or find somebody that knows that space really well. Um, because for me, it's, you know, I, I would say I've got a, I'm, I'm with you for the first few years. And then, you know, if, especially if you're in either a highly regulated industry or a really new industry where there's a lot of kind of risks, especially like food and things like that. Um, you know, there are people who are experts in that, that are better con to consult with than me on that. But there's a lot that out at the, out of the gate, at the outset that I'll work with the startups on um, just to get them kind of covered in case anything does go wrong. They've got their kind of first lines of defenses uh, set up. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. So just kind of what, what you're saying of, of these startups kind of moving like a kind of really fast pace, just like how, how did you see kind of COVID like in, impact that during COVID and now kind of like after COVID, the, the way we were kind of changing and just like not all their, their employees kind of being in like the, the same spot. Like, do you see that kind of moving, you know, with startups kind of adapting that the new work environment or are you seeing kind of difference in, in cultures, company to company? Yeah, I mean, so right now, I think the remote uh, work and uh, situation is becoming, you know, a competitive issue, right? I mean, people are quitting jobs because they don't have to be, they can find another job where, where they can be remote. So there is, um, there's definitely a shift. The question is, you know, how does that impact? Certainly, in, in kind of my day to day, um, and you know, my clients, and, you know, how does that impact them? What's interesting is, you know, to some degree, you don't know what you don't know, right? You're, you've taken this away, and and you don't know exactly what's missing yet. But I know one of the fears and one of the things that that I've seen is a lot of those conversations um, that used to happen in the office where a meeting ended and you, know, you brought up an issue or someone was uh, you know, batting around some ideas or trying to solve a problem, you just had people at your disposal, whether they were just in, in proximity to you or whether you, you were on the same team. You know, if you think about it, now you schedule everything that you do, right? You, you, I mean, I don't know that I've in the last I don't know, probably 10 years, just picked up the phone and called somebody out of the blue. It's generally setting up, you know, hey, can I call you? Are you available? But now, you know, even more so with work, we're scheduled all day long. And so you, I think you miss a lot of that. Now, I think that that probably, um, you know, it spills into every area of a business. But uh, when it comes to kind of like the trust and safety teams and risk management, a lot of these things, there's a, a lot of benefits to teams being really connected because they're seeing things, they're reacting real time, and the less delay um, and, you know, the further they are apart, you know, I think that can, that can have some impact. For me personally, it means that, you know, I, there are probably less, I'm brought in, I think, a little bit sooner. I think when somebody has a question, um, for some of my clients, if anybody has a question, they come to me directly versus, you know, if they were in a meeting and they had the question, they might ask the question and somebody else would know. Um, and so it might not, it might not come to me. In some cases, I have worked with these clients longer than the, you know, the teams that are there. So I'm somewhat of institutional memory. So they'll come to me for, you know, and I can kind of point them anyway, all this to say that it, it's definitely changing how things are um, just the kind of the, the organic dynamic nature of, of kind of office and I don't want to say problem solving, but some of those discussions and conversations that you would have in, in the office kind of off the cuff. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think what you're kind of saying is like, doesn't it might not flow as naturally as it like kind of used to of like being in the room and kind of having that opportunity. And it's convenient, you know, if you're in the same room and you're always oh, anyone else of anyone to talk about, yeah, like, you know, who who should we go for for this? Or yeah. where is this information? And if, if like that requires now, you know, like three Teams messages to three different people and like five different emails and that was long email chain internally, it might just be easier to to go with kind of someone someone like you, you know, a lawyer, consultant, someone like outside party, uh, just kind of like fast track it and it would get get to like the right place uh, earlier and, and wouldn't kind of spin the wheels on that. Right, right. I think that's right. So as we wrap up here, just kind of with, with your uh, mix of, of business experience with kind of like the, the board of directors uh, that, that you sit on, what do you kind of see of uh, like, like what kind of role do you kind of fill like in these boards? Are there some other people who kind of specialize like in that, in that risk management kind of background? as well or how does uh how does kind of your role and expertise kind of help build out the the rest of the expertise on on some of the the board just complementing each other's backgrounds yeah i mean that's exactly it it's it's um you know uh when when founding teams founders executive teams early stage executive teams are looking for a board um you know in many cases that board will be comprised of investors depending on their level of investment um, but uh, pre-investment and, and oftentimes even uh, with investment, they'll, you know, the idea is that you build out a board that's going to be, um, you know, be helpful and supportive. And, and that means having a, a diverse set of backgrounds and experiences and expertise. So it's, it's uncommon that there would be two of me on the same board. There might be you know, lawyers, but maybe lawyers with different um, background or experience. Um, you know, I've been doing this since, you know, kind of the eBay and Craigslist days. So the, the industry that I'm particularly focused uh, on is, is quite nascent. So there aren't, you know, there, in many, many, in many situations, I'm like the oldest person in the room, um, just because I've been, you know, I've been doing this a long time and, and at the beginning. So um, there aren't, is, there aren't a ton of us out there. Although I will say, if you look on LinkedIn, you know, now versus even five years ago, you will find at so many, I mean, even, even non-marketplaces um, that are, have, you know, uh, and smaller startups that have risk, trust, and safety, um, and, uh, you know, different community positions that didn't exist five years ago. So the whole industry has, is evolving, um, I think in a very positive direction. I think there's also been, you know, the industry's taken its hits, um, uh, both social media platforms, but also, you know, marketplaces. Um, and so there's been, I think, a, a really strong response to bring in people who are focused on risk, to be people, you know, people who are focused on trust and safety and, and, and things like that earlier and prioritizing it earlier which is only going to mean good things for, you know, both sides of the marketplace, consumers, uh, workers, if it's a service uh, platform, et cetera. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. That makes a lot of sense. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Jeremy. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.